Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Adventures in Parenting. I'm Jesse, And I'm Erin. Today we're in Studio E at the Patrick Medford Library with our guest, Jonathan Green, a financial advisor with Allied Wealth Partners. Welcome, Jonathan. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Jonathan will actually be with us twice this month for a two-part series on families and finances, guiding us towards a healthier and wealthier financial future because January is National Financial Wellness Month. It is the perfect time to consider your family's financial well-being and future financial goals, so we are very grateful to Jonathan to be here to help us explore this very important topic. Today's episode, part one, will focus on how parents can teach their children financial literacy. So let's get started. Well, the definition of financial literacy is the ability to understand and effectively use various financial skills, including personal financial management, budgeting, and investing. Um, and how early should parents start talking to their kids about finances? Well, financial literacy is a little bit different. They have to first understand that things cost money <laughs> and that it doesn't just appear out of thin air. Doesn't grow out of trees? Is yeah. that supposed to happen? Yeah. Um, well, it, it depends, right? So, you know, as a parent, you have to kind of inject those different things into regular life. We all run errands with our children. We all mm-hmm. go shopping with our children. The simplest thing would be at the supermarket. Uh, that's the best example and probably the earliest example of you actually sharing that moment with them where you say, okay, you know, this costs something. Yes. And by the way, look, if you buy two, maybe it costs less. There's a sale or there's there's a coupon that's th- available. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of thing that really starts to make a memory for your child that mm-hmm. this is real and that this is a, a something that they need to learn. Right. I wonder, is it, in your opinion, detrimental? Because I do this with my children, but it, it always comes out as, that's too expensive. That's like what I constantly be saying, so now they'll say it. They'll be like, I bet it's too expensive. And I wonder if framing it that way is giving them like a negative idea of money? Like, should I reframe it or does it matter? It doesn't matter. Is it a want or a need or I guess it depends on what it is? Oh, well, that's a great question, Aaron. Correct. And it does. I mean, having them say that something's too expensive is great because they actually understand the value of, of a dollar. Yeah. And I find that sometimes, you know, kids today don't. You know, they go into a store, or you walk them through a toy store, or even just a pharmacy, and there's toys, and, yes. you know, this costs eight ninety nine. Well, what's eight ninety nine in relation to what I eat every morning for, for breakfast? Right. You know, what's that relationship? So that toy is eight ninety nine, but your cereal box is five forty nine or something like sure. that. Is it expensive? Yeah, relative to the cereal that I eat. But, yeah. like, that's where I think it's important with the context of financial literacy, right, is, is understanding the context and the relationship between these things and saying, okay, my son loves Legos. Mm-hmm. Okay. By nature, they're expensive. Like mm-hmm. the smallest thing you could find is probably like $20. Yeah. So when we look through a set and I say, okay, well, is this expensive? He'll look at the number of pieces and that's the relationship that I've taught him. So mm-hmm. is this a good value? Are you getting enough for what that price is? Mm-hmm. And I think that is where he's now starting to understand, okay, that $50 one is expensive. It only has, you know, 45 pieces, but the better value is the $100 one because I'm getting a 1,000 pieces. So is that expensive? No, not relative to what you're getting. Sure. So start talking to them early. Mm-hmm. Start putting it into a framework that they can understand. Correct. Um, so what should – you mentioned the, the supermarket. Is there anything else – we can um, focus on? You know, I think sometimes the easiest things, too, is, like, we all go seasonal shopping for clothes and, and other things like that. Um, you know, you walk into a Macy's or a Bloomingdale's, you're going to see signs that say 25% off, you know, 30% off. What does that mean? Okay, why is that a better deal? I think, again, it's just shaping that framework of them learning the concept of how money relates and how you can use it to buy certain things that you want. So I think that is always a great thing because now when we go into a store, both my kids, my daughter's only four just going to be three but she goes in she sees a sale sign she goes sale she knows you know so it's those habits it's it's those habitual and ritual type of things 
that they'll start seeing and it becomes something for them. Yeah, That's a right. rule for them that, that you've now created. It's like, hey, you should look at the sales stuff first. Yeah, yeah. That's some good advice for me too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find um, just in general that people are having a harder time keeping track of their money and their finances because everything's online now and it's very easy to just be like, oh, click, 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 click. There, there's something to be said about that is that just our lives have become so automated um, that you have auto pay and sometimes you just you don't even realize what you're spending because it's just being paid for That's right. um, directly. Um, so yeah, there's something to be said about that. I mean, a great way to do that is just doing, you know, back to budgeting mm. and really setting goals for yourself as far as what you're going to spend in each category, being diligent, going back through your credit card statements or your bank statements and lining those items up to make sure that A, it's what you actually paid for. Yeah. And then really, you know, again, going back to your budget and saying, okay, am I within that goal set that I made for myself? And then making any adjustments that might need to be Yeah. Made. I'm just thinking because my daughter, she had an Amazon gift card mm-hmm. and it was just hanging on her wall. She taped it to her wall. Right. And my husband goes, how come you haven't spent this gift card? And she's yeah. like, well, we never go there. We don't go to that <laughs> store. <laughs> and so then we introduced her to online shopping and now it's like a free for all. Like now okay. she's like, let's go Amazon. I'm going to go on Amazon. So I was starting to think about like maybe would that hinder her concept of money if it was just like, oh, I'm just going to click. But I guess it doesn't really, the skills are the same whether you're in person or online. You just have to be paying attention. Well, you just have to be diligent too about yeah. also what <laughs> what's an allowable click um, in right. many ways, right? Yes. So. You know, back when I was growing up, if it cost less than a pack of gum, and I don't want to date myself too much, but then it was okay, it was basically free, right? It was no problem. Yeah. Right? It was a dollar fifty or two dollars, it was yeah. fine, right? Well, what is that today? I mean, I don't even know. Right. Like, I don't either. Uh, is it a sushi roll? Is it like what a sushi roll costs? And that's yeah. eight dollars and basically for I I don't know. Right. So yeah. it's it's up to each family, each parent, each each person to put that in context with their child to say, okay, you can spend $5 on this. It's fine. Yeah. That, but that's setting a budget, right? That's setting a, a realistic small budget that a child can then realize, okay, so anything under $5 yeah. is good. Like, I'm good. There's no reason mom or dad should say no to that. You know, that way, then when they get to, okay, this is $10, well, what's 10 So it's twice as much than what I'm allowed to usually get. And yeah. that kind of then starts to really saying, okay, now understand the value of a dollar, and I can I know what it's what it costs. Okay, cool. We talk a lot about modeling good behavior, but what if you're that parent that's just horrible with money? What if you're just really struggling, you know, yeah. to yeah. keep it together? Listeners can't see me, but I have my hand up. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. Because like you said, you're not modeling, you know, you don't have that example set, right? So sometimes, you know, like anything, you kind of have to know what not to do in order to know what to do. So I always say it's hard, but you got to share your mistakes. You say to your children, look, this is what our bad habits are. You can't do that, you know, and then we'll learn it together type of situation. Yeah. And that to me is is identifying first what not to do and then you'll be able to focus on creating better habits. Sometimes, you know, I can I can relate that to you finding a job even. Sometimes you got to go through a lot of bad jobs to find out what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Raising my hand again. Yeah. So <laughs> so it's it's hard. It's hard, but you have to really know what not to do first before you can figure out what to do. I think, you know, we do this every month we have a new topic and a lot of it just really comes down to communication and being open and honest and that transfers over to financial literacy and teaching your kids. If you're not aware of your own mistakes, how can you help them avoid them? Well, it's hard too because financial literacy 
has always been a type of taboo subject yeah. within a household. And it's hard because even the parents today didn't grow up with parents who were so transparent in their own finances. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, so that's a hard thing to translate into to another new generation. Right. So yeah, starting early, being transparent, I think that's one of the best things that you could do as a household. Because if your kids understand where your financial situation is, maybe they'll be more mindful about what it is they want to spend or what they ask you to buy for yeah. them. So how do you even start setting financial goals with your child? It's a great question. Usually it's it's got to be something that's more short-term related, right? So if there's something that they've made known that they want to buy, it's a short-term savings goal towards that item. If it is something else or just trying to you know go to an experience or something like that, you have now a time frame in which you have them, okay, they want to go to a concert. Well, you have to start saving for that or you certain outfits, shoes, whatever, whatever it is, whatever the item may be, the yeah. widget, right? But it has to be some sort of short-term and achievable goal. A lot of times too, it's, you know, you have to kind of bring in certain things and aspects that we get, benefits that we get in our lives, such as like, you know, you might have a retirement plan where your employer matches you well like you have to reward the good behavior so right. if your children are saving you say to them okay well if you save ten dollars i will match you ten dollars mm-hmm. you know and boom and then, then they save faster for their item and then they see that good habit being rewarded um, and that's usually a good way to start yeah. should you always have an end date for something like this is when you want to purchase it by or um, like if it's not a concert or something that has a specific date that you need it by should you try to encourage you got to do this by this time um it's not set in stone but yeah, usually if you have some sort of, you know, window, I guess, of, to, of opportunity to get it done, then that will create just the momentum that you need for that child to really buy into that type of concept. Mm. So if you say you have, again, you don't want to make it unrealistic. So it's really more about keeping it realistic and having them achieve it. Yeah. So if you say, okay, we'll give you three months to do this. If they don't make it, it's not a hard and fast rule. Right. You know, especially if it's not something that is time sensitive. Then you say, okay, you did your best. What can we do? Or the, you know, it's almost like an inflection point. You can say, "What do I do to make it better?" You know, it's almost like a review point. If they yeah. don't do it, then yeah. you go ahead, always go back and say, "You know, well, where did you struggle? And how do we make it better?" And also, it's probably a really great time to talk about wants and needs because I know for my kids, they'll want something today, and then they're not going to still want it in three months. So, do you have any other tips on how to talk to your kids about the difference between wants and needs? Well, I think that again, a lot of it is communication and context, right? So, how do they know what their wants and needs are they've spent their whole lives us telling them uh, what they want and what they need so in many times I always try to relate it back to like what the household needs Mm -hmm. right what does it take to run our everyday lives right it usually comes down to food clothes toilet paper you know the basics Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that if they understand that we this is the stuff we need okay if we don't have this then we can't function in our normal day and then anything else besides that right now is a want right or even a wish it stretches that far out because a want is something that you do want but a wish is something you're really hopeful for, yeah. not so realistic. And I think it's, it's that difference between knowing what it takes to, to run a basic household or that's the need versus obviously their want. And then, then they start to really delineate between what, what that means. Yeah. I know that my um, my kindergartner just learned wants and needs in school. Mm-hmm. She had to like do a little coloring sheet about it, but I'm curious to see if in a week she still remembers <laughs> wants versus needs. So how can you set up a budget with your child? Well, budgets impose two, two things. If you're setting up a budget, that means that there's a regular expense that has to match that budget.
budget. You can create a savings budget too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, savings in many ways is also an expense. You know, so you, it's something that has to be done regularly. So in many cases, whenever I'm speaking with someone, it is that savings, right, that you save in your retirement plan, that you save in, in your checking account. That is all a bill, okay, that just has to be siphoned off every month. It has to be paid every month. But you're paying it to yourself, right? So, so having them understand that that is a way of an expense towards themselves of savings, yeah. then you can set a, set a budget as far as what, what the parameters of that savings is. So essentially, just to kind of tie it up in a bow, you sit down, you have a conversation with your child, they say they want something, you sit down and talk to them, is this a want, is this a need, you walk through that, and then we set ourselves a nice little financial goal. Okay, so this costs $30. Mm-hmm. So you're going to save 15 I'll match you 15 and we're going to set a timeline of three months. And then we're going to work through and we're going to create our budget. It's right. going to be a and, saving budget. Right, and what's the math of that, right? So if mm-hmm. you're going to have to save $15 in three months, then your goal is to set $5 a month, right? And that's and that, to me, is a very realistic, positive experience for savings and budgeting. You then go into what the household is, okay? And then you show them your example. Right. And you show them that it costs way more than $5. And yeah. that, and then they start to really not, not necessarily feel bad for us, but... Um, <laughs> But, I wouldn't mind that either. No, but but maybe maybe it's more maybe they do show share more empathy, show more empathy. Yeah, and they're able to then say, okay, those wants that I thought were needs, yeah. they're really just wants. Right. And then I can dial back how much I complain or, 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 or well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe yes. maybe right. I, <laughs> we try our best. Yeah. So how are they getting this money though? Are we doing this <laughs> like an old school like an allowance? Like are they working for this or? Yeah. No, I think allowances are great. Me personally. Well, um, I don't even know what the going rate for. Yeah. What is the going rate? <laughs> That's a great labor. question. I don't I don't know yet because yeah. I haven't I haven't actually started paying my kids <laughs> for for the work that they do. But that actually it's it comes back to the way you frame and in the context context that you use that for um so i don't use the word chores Mm. i don't use the word chores is to me is just it's very negative Mm -hmm. connotation of a word for a kid they're responsible they have to be responsible for certain activities so i guess the best instance that i could use is that my son is now responsible for after we take the garbage out Mm. he's responsible for taking the garbage pails back up to the house that's it very small sure but it became a habit a ritual of his yeah Right, so every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, he knows he's out early, you know, in in the front of the house to pull those garbage cans back. Now, eventually, that's going to lead towards him getting an allowance based on the responsibilities that he's doing. So I think that that is a good way of kind of getting to that allowance type of, you know, situation. situation. Yeah. Um, But, but, I mean, allowance is is a great way for them to start budgeting. I mean, when I know when I was a kid and we had to pay for, you know, I paid for lunch at school, now it just gets taken out of an account that, Mm -hmm. you know, is is attached to their ID card or something like that. So it's not tangible anymore. But I would get $20 a week for lunch. And I had to be responsible and budget that going through each day of the week. So maybe instead of getting going on that card, maybe they get cash and they and they have to now start learning how to budget that, mm. you know, for, for their lunch or something like that. Yeah. But that's those are the ideas. So essentially, because I, I think in, in my household, we've been doing this backwards because they would say would they want something. We'll say, well, you got to earn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we would give them like jobs to do to mm-hmm. earn it. So the first one was I told my oldest she could start pairing socks because nobody likes doing it. I'll, just, I'll give you a quarter a pair, which my husband's like, that is that rate is outrageous. But the minute right. she gets what she wants, she stops doing it. So it's not really her responsibility anymore. She was just doing it for the money. Right. 
And another one, we tried to get them to make their bed. Now do you know what they do? They just sleep on top of the comforter <laughs> with a blanket so they don't have to make the bed. Right. <laughs> but, right. So I guess like this really resonated because it's like, no, no, you're just a part of the, the household yeah. and you need to be helping. Yeah. And so we're going to set that foundation and there's, first. And there's nothing wrong with a little guilt. Yeah. Right? So it's like, if you don't do it, I have to do it. That's right. And then if I have to do it, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. So help us out. Right. Be, a, be a functional part of our household. Yes. And I think that's just a better way of framing, because you're right. Like, kids are smart. They're going to find ways to not do yeah. what you ask them to do. Right. Or do the bare minimum to get where they want to be. Or, or the dollar amount just doesn't matter to them anymore. You know, not that it has to be, because everybody's different, and every kid is different, and every parent's different. But I always have found it helpful that if you, if you bring them in as an equal part mm. of the household, then they feel like they're being respected more um, and that they have a say in the overall direction of the household. So I I feel like if you get that buy-in and and you get that excitement that they want to do those responsibilities, the way, same way, like even just brushing teeth, right? Brushing Mm -hmm. teeth to to kids seems like it's a chore because it's something we nag them to do every single day. That's a fact. But (laughs) if you frame it in the bed and be like, look, I brush my teeth, you brush your teeth. These are the consequences of not brushing your teeth. Then go brush your teeth. Right. Like, just get it. Let's get it done. I always say, I'm like, they're not my teeth. <laughs> my teeth are going to be fine. Right. Right. <laughs> but but still, that doesn't, that sometimes that doesn't resonate. No, because, it never resonates. No, but so, so, <laughs> so my, right. So my point is like, they have to have this buy-in. Yes. Um, and I think that framing it as more of a responsibility mm-hmm. that they get to do. Right. Not that they have to do or should do because we're going to reward you for it. Yeah. But then maybe too, like, I don't reward him for it now. I don't reward my son for it now. But in the future, you know what? Here's 10 bucks. You've been doing a really great job at doing all the responsibilities in the house. Right, yeah. Now it seems like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm finally getting recognition. Right. Not just earning power, but recognition for what I've been doing. Um, I have read that the reward system for children in general is really, for the most part, short-sighted. Because they are going to get to a point where they're going to be, you know, they're going to be a teenager. They're going to be working their own job. They're going to be making their own money. So now what is your sway to get them to help around the house? They don't need your money anymore. They're making their own money. They're doing whatever. So, And mm-hmm. it, it's the same thing even, you know, with no hate on sticker charts for some kids it works. But it gets to a point where they don't care about stickers anymore. And so what are they working towards now? So it makes a lot of sense to get the buy-in in a, in a more sustainable way. Right. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, eventually, they will be self-sufficient. And, and how does that motivation continue, right? When they're no longer motivated by the dollars that you hand them, it needs a different type of satisfaction, right? an earning satisfaction. But doing the job without any getting compensated for it with toys, stickers, or, or, or money or anything, like yeah. they have to be molded. Mm-hmm. into good workers. Right. Because one day they're not going to be with you. you yeah. Know? We're really trying to raise adults. <laughs> you are. Uh-huh. You are. And I think that, you know, it starts early, right? So so when you start treating your child like a child instead of a functioning person in your household. A future adult. Right. You know, then it, they notice that. Mm-hmm. You know, they notice how you, you might talk down to them or talk um, at them. At them. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of getting their opinion or or just feeling that they can actually do it. Giving yeah. them the, the, the real motivation and the, that, that they can succeed. The self-satisfaction. Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah, like intrinsic yeah. motivation. Mm-hmm. Yes. They should want to do it for themselves on yeah. some level because Correct. even in the workforce, you're not always going to get that recognition mm-hmm. for what you do. You're getting a paycheck. Right. But sometimes the paycheck's not enough. Sometimes you want that acknowledgement. You want Correct. that recognition. Mm-hmm. But you're not necessarily going to get it. Right. So you have to be okay at the end of the day. I did this great thing. Right. I take pride in I how pride I do what my I do. work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope, that's exactly it. Um, so they're getting these responsibilities. Eventually they start to earn an allowance. And then how do you start saving with them? 
so is it better to save as an individual or is it better to save as a family? Does it matter? How do we get them where they want to be? Well, I think if they've earned or, or they're earning allowance, uh, it should be their individual savings. So that they should go with you to the bank. They should help you open up the account. You know? What's a bank? <laughs> I literally never go in my bank. Okay, well then they should go, <laughs> right? what was the last time I went to go with you to the... I can't remember the last well, time I've I mean, been in a bank. So, so that too in itself could be an experience yes. that they should probably uh, get to do. Yeah. But those are the things, call it old school, but they, they resonate, right? Yeah, sure. You know, this is the money center. This is where your hard work and our money goes. Yeah. It doesn't just live on an app, on a phone, or right. on your computer, but this is actually a real place um, where transactions happen and, you know, yeah. accounts open and you're going to do that, you know? So that is an experience that will stick with them. Look, banking used to be really geared towards children. Yeah. I mean, I remember before I was a financial advisor, I was in banking and I remember kids coming in, they had holiday clubs, they had passbook savings accounts. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, you had your passbook, you had your savings and right there, every row, every deposit, it showed you exactly what you were saving. And that visual, having that book. It was mm -hmm. tangible. It was um, like you could. They could touch and feel yeah. it and know that their money was there. Yeah. And then when they made that withdrawal to buy the thing that they wanted, it yeah. was real. You know, right. You and handed then they them the money with the envelope. And they saw that whole process. So, I mean, how do you start? Field trip to the bank. Field trip to the bank. Yeah. Okay. I mean, why not? Do uh, they get a savings account? Like, should we, like, we have, we have savings accounts for our kids, like, to, that money that we're putting in, but like, should they open their own? I think, I think so. Yeah. yeah. They should have their own, you know. That's so cute. My little eight-year-old one. Well, I mean, you'll still be a custodian on of the account. Of course, no. So <laughs> they can access it all the time, but, but yeah, they should have their own account. They should know that they bank somewhere and that they have money somewhere, for sure. They will be so excited. Like, I'm just imagining my kids, if I was like, we're going to the bank, we're going to get you a savings account for your money. Yeah. I have a feeling my kids would be pretty stoked. Well, yeah. and then you show them on their iPad or their or right. their phone if they mm -hmm. have one, you know, where they can look it up and where they could see it. But, you know, that to me is is just a very tangible thing that they can take away um, and say, "Look, you have any questions about financial literacy about about finances? Yeah. Banks are a great place to start." We're gonna call Jonathan. Well. And he's gonna answer these questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's bizarre to me that I am so shocked by that advice about going to the bank. Yeah. Like, you're right. It really was such a big part of my childhood. My mother was a stay-at-home mom, and I would just go with her and run her errands, and we would. one of them was the bank. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember going in, and we had, like, the safety deposit box, and, like, yep. her opening it, yep. and we'd be like, wow, look at this. You're right. And I really think my kids have been inside of a bank maybe three times in their whole life. Well, have they even been inside a bank or just, like, the ATM vestibule? ATM more than three times. Okay. But, so. yeah, inside the bank maybe but, three. But that's three. important. I, you know, I... You know, uh, I'll make it a point that after I pick my son up from an activity or something, I'll say, hey, we're going to stop at the bank. i got to make a deposit. Yeah. Oh, you can't, you, what? <laughs> like, that's his response. Right. But we're going to a bank. I'm going to go speak to a teller. Yeah. And I'm going to make a deposit. Right. Like, that experience, it's not just taking a picture with your phone and uploading it. Yeah. Like, there's an actual place to go, and and this is where this is where I have my mortgage. Like, this is, like, it just yeah. is such a teachable moment um, with so many opportunities to learn and, and understand that there's a lot of areas or realms of finance that a bank takes, and, and that's such a great experience, I think. It is. You forget that all these things are just, like, abstract that's because right. you're not going into a building. Correct. Everything's on the phone. Um, we on are, the tablet. This episode is going gonna, is gonna to drop in January, but in... 
February, we're actually partnering with the local Chase Bank so the kids can get like a behind the scenes tour. Oh, that's awesome. And I just thought that was like a cool thing. But now that we're talking about this, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's actually super yes. important Very for important. them to do this. That probably a lot of the kids, it might be the first time in a bank. Yeah. When was the last time your kids really saw cash? Oh, my gosh, never. Well, Mom, well, do you have a quarter? No. Right. So that's what I'm saying. So, yes. like, there's a lot of exp- like experience yeah. um, that they can see or, or, or use, you know, uh, just, wow. by, just by going and visiting a bank. Change more than cash because my daughter's obsessed yes. with the yes the coin machines. Correct. <laughs> okay. Right. So yes. yeah, probably like paper money, not often, but mm-hmm. <laughs> coins. Coins. Good grief. Always. Everywhere. Mommy, have any coins? I'm like, no. Why would I have coins? Right. <laughs> like, I have quarters. these plastic cards I can use all the time. Wow. I didn't see that advice coming, but that no, one really that one really resonated. <laughs> and now I'm having like all these like little kid like bank flashbacks. <laughs> so that's it. Then yeah. Then go for it. <laughs> Is there anything else to kind of wrap up part one? If I could just, I guess one thing to say to close and, and kind of bring the whole thing home is that let's just, just summarize everything right so starting early communicating being transparent with your kids is i think core to building them with positive financial habits because mm-hmm. what's the worst thing that can happen is when something kind of takes you by surprise so having them in as part of the, the functioning household and kind of treating them as a functioning and, and helpful part of the household yeah. is, is always uh, i think a benefit um and i think that's just going to get that ball rolling yeah um, because really, after that, and they start really conceptualizing and, and understanding the concepts, well, then they're just, they're kids, they're curious, they're mm-hmm. going to ask questions. Yeah. And I think that that's just a great way to, to lead them, yeah. or at least start them. Right. And it's okay to not have the answers. I feel like sometimes oh, as sure. parents, we're always like, you know, get frazzled if you don't know the answer, but I feel like that's another teachable moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Let's figure it out together. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Let's go to the library. Let's go to the bank and ask. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Dragging my kid to the bank later. <laughs> well, thank you again to Jonathan for joining us. Um, again, Jonathan is a field director, financial advisor for Allied Wealth Partners. They're located at 50 Charles Lindbergh Boulevard, Suite 420 in Uniondale. That's in New York. And the zip code is 11553. And just to let you guys know, Jonathan's just going to run us through a real quick disclosure. Go right ahead, Jonathan. All right. Security is offered through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, doing business in California as CFGAN Insurance Agency, LLC. California license number 0644976, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Satera Investment Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor. Satera is under a separate ownership from any other named entity. My California insurance license, number 1982528, and our phone number is 516-705-9800. You and listeners, if you liked our podcast today, please let your friends and family know. And us, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts on upcoming topics that you'd like to learn more about or just some general feedback. You can email us at podcast at pmlib.org. And you can find links to our podcast on pmlib.org or find us at adventures in parenting pml.podbean.com and pretty much we're everywhere now. We're anywhere that you can find podcasts. Um, and a resource guide will be up for today's episode and all of our previous episodes if you want a little more research uh, into any of our topics. So thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. Tune in for part two.